We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com BE. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I'm your host, Jethro Jones, and you can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. This episode is brought to you by John Cat Educational, a professional development publisher serving as the global leader in combining both research and practice in all materials. Find timely PD publications to support yourself and your faculty by visiting them online at us.johncatbookshop.com. Great instruction gets students engaged. TeachFX equips teachers with the instructional strategies and job-embedded feedback they need to get students engaged in virtual or in-person classes. Learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer at teachfx.com slash transformative principle. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am excited to have David Shar on the program today. Too many of us clock out of life as we clock into work. More we once were looking for fulfillment and meaning in our careers, we now just show up for a paycheck. What if we could change all that? What if we could ignite, reignite that passion in ourselves, in our coworkers, and our employees? Our guest today, David Shar, was happily managing his small ice cream parlor in Baltimore City when his employee came in with tears in her eyes. Her boyfriend had been shot multiple times, and she didn't know if he would survive. David tried to give her the day off, but she refused, telling David that she had to be at work. Work was her happy place. When David began his career, he had no idea how much of his crew of teenagers and young adults from the inner city would impact his view on work, life, and leadership. His experiences in the ice cream parlor led David on a journey of discovery to answer the question, what makes work one person's happy place and another person's purgatory? He discovered how organizations through their leadership and culture can create burnout-proof work environments that engage and inspire employees to be the best versions of themselves. He's the president of Illuminate PMC and the creator of the FTF Burnout-Proof Culture Model. 
David is a keynote speaker, consultant, and trainer specializing in helping organizations improve their leadership and culture, combat burnout, and design meaningful work. David combines decades of leadership experience with the latest psychological research to help attract, retain, and motivate top talent. David holds his bachelor's in human resource management from Colorado State University and his master's in industrial organizational psychology from the University of Maryland, College Park. He is a current doctoral candidate in business psychology at the Chicago School of Professional Psychology, where he is studying the interaction between meaningful work and burnout. But David is not your typical academic. As a scientist and practitioner and translator, David makes leadership theory and business psychology accessible and implementable and fun through the use of humor and storytelling. And David, thank you and welcome to Transformative Principle. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be here, Jethro. Well, I'm really excited to talk to you today because we are definitely dealing with burnout in education. People are working 12, 13-hour days on Saturday and then going in and working 18-hour days during the week, it seems. So they are definitely uh, at risk of burning out completely. And I want to talk about that. But first, I want to go back to that story about one of your employees having her boyfriend get shot and just a tragic, stark reality that many of the listeners that are listening to this can relate to because that kind of stuff happens in our schools all the time. And what do you do in that situation? One, where you feel great that work or school in our experience is a happy place. And how do you help support people who are experiencing challenging times like that? Yeah, what a great question. So it was shocking for me. I come from like the suburbs, a spoiled rich kid, And I really had no idea, like this was all such culture shock because here I am born and raised in Baltimore city, but the suburbs are much different from the neighborhoods where these crew members came from. And what I found was that their lives were so beautiful in so many ways and distinct ways from my life and recognizing that first and seeing the beauty in the culture I think is step one. And then being there for the individuals and letting them know that they're worth something. Because what I found was that when you grow up in the inner city of Baltimore as a young African-American child, oftentimes you are faced with some major issues at school, at home. When you watch TV, you're seeing your friends be vilified. I had an employee who in a short amount of time working for me, only a few years, had two brothers murdered in two separate incidences. And, and his mother was in jail. It was, it was such a mess and really a complete tragedy. So one of the core things that I did was we did a lot of volunteering. It wasn't about ice cream for us. Ice cream was a tool to make Baltimore a better place and to spread happiness through Baltimore. And so we wanted to drive that home. And so we found ourselves going out and um, doing art, like contributing to art classes with people experiencing homelessness and having dance parties with over 100 young adults uh, that were uh, with developmental disabilities, you know, having dance parties for an hour. Every year we did that. We did all these different volunteer initiatives. And what I saw happen right in front of me is that these kids that always saw themselves as the bottom rung of society started understanding that they had so much to add, so much to give. And I think that that was really the cornerstone of that, to to teach people that they're worth something and to 
pull that out of them, like the, the, what they have to add to the world and to give to the world. And in the story, it was about giving them trust and, and uh, believing in them uh, when others might not. Well, those two pieces of trust and helping them see themselves as more than they currently are is so powerful. One of the things that we've talked about here on the podcast probably hundreds of times at this point is the idea that when kids see their potential and when we see them as their potential, not as they currently are, it changes how we talk and interact with them. It changes how we uh, manage the situation that they're experiencing because we are focusing on them as human beings and what they can become, not just what they are. So let's turn the conversation over to, to dealing with burnout in a, in a culture. Certainly there are extraneous things like coronavirus that are causing tons of stress and, and frustration and, and pressure right now. But there are other things in our lives that contribute to burnout specifically. And so how do we prevent burnout, especially in this time, but also more generally as well? Yeah, so stress is everywhere, especially in 2020. It, uh, there's so many layers of things that are adding stress to our lives in, in 2020. But work can add to that or it can relieve that. So like that story that you opened with this young woman who her entire life was stress and fear and anxiety. Work was her happy place because work was an escape from that. School can be that for educators right now because it's a place where people have the opportunity to have an impact and make a difference, to feel like they're in control in a world where many of us are feeling like we've lost all autonomy and control over our own destiny. Work can be an outlet and precisely the place where you get to regain that power. Or work can be a place where there are so many policies in place and restrictions and bureaucracy and interpersonal conflict and all of these things where you just feel like your hands are tied behind your back and you're, while you're trying to have an impact. And I would argue that in education, this happens all the time. But certainly when we enter something like coronavirus, where your hands literally are tied behind your back. Oh, you know that job that we trusted you to do for the past 20 years? Now we want you to do it online. What's online? Like some teachers never had seen Zoom before in their life. And then teachers who are back in school, yeah, 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 we're just going to have you back in school. And by the way, you got to keep your windows open and we need um, plexiglass everywhere and masks on and keep your distance. And my wife is a first grade teacher. She's been a case study in burnout for me. I told her this is really hurting my reputation. <laughs> so I took her on as my personal client and we're good now. But she's a first grade teacher that cannot hug her kids or comfort them in a time when they need to be comforted in that way more than ever, perhaps. You know, so suddenly we have to start reinventing how we do these things. And the administration can stand in the way of that or they can facilitate that. And that's, that's key here, I think. Yeah, let's talk about how they facilitate that because I'm, I'm sure we all know how they stand in the way of that. And <laughs> in case you're wondering, if you, if you are standing in the way of it, you're doing the opposite of what David here is going to talk about in just a second. So how do we facilitate that? Yeah, so to facilitate that, we have to understand what burnout is, right? So burnout is emotional exhaustion 
it's feelings of cynicism and it's feelings of like a lack of personal accomplishment, right? Where we're just churning the wheels and not feeling like we have any momentum, like we're having any impact. So in order to engage your teachers, instead of standing in the way and creating a burnout, a a culture of burnout is one, we need to give our teachers some control over their environment. And that doesn't mean just the school, but now everything has changed and we need to give them some power in the situation. So when teachers come in and everything has already been figured out for them, and it's like, this is exactly how you're going to be teaching your classroom in this new environment, instead of collaboratively working with them to figure it out and to be there with them and let them be part of the process, then they feel helpless like we all feel helpless now. I mean, when you are on some sort of trajectory, maybe it's within your profession, maybe it's something that you were planning on doing outside of your profession or relationship-wise, and we're always on some sort of trajectory, and then burnout or COVID comes and like completely disrupts all of that, we suddenly feel completely out of control. And so to give somebody some sense of control and make it a collaborative thing. I think a lot of principals think, oh no, here's a huge situation that we have to deal with. It's a crisis. And the way we're going to manage this crisis is we're going to deal with everything for the teachers. And the reality of the situation is that that's not going to help. The teachers need some decision authority, some autonomy in order to feel like they're in control, not just of their work, of their students, of their classroom, but in control of their lives. And that can start in the classroom. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so glad that we're talking about this because that idea of autonomy will be beneficial whether we're in a crisis or not, which is what you talk about creating a burnout proof culture. But but that idea of giving the teachers autonomy, I heard two stories last week and I'm what I'm doing right now is I'm calling a lot of principals and asking about what's going on, what they're feeling and what they're experiencing. And sometimes I'm calling teachers as well to get their perspective. And I heard two things that just blew my mind. Number one, some districts are going back to what we used to do where everybody teaches the same thing in the same way at the same time to make sure that we, you know, provide the same content to everybody, which sucks the life out of teachers and sucks the life out of kids. Nobody enjoys that because you feel like you're a robot. And truly, if that's what you're doing, you really don't need a teacher to do that work because it's much easier to just record it and broadcast it to everybody. So you might as well do that, right? (laughs) The other thing was that some districts have taken all the planning out of the principals and the teacher's hands and made the decision for the whole district. And so in an effort to make it simple and understandable, they have taken away everything that you would decide in in your own school and in your own classroom and said, this is how it's gonna be. Educational supports high-quality teaching and learning by providing publications that are research-based, practical, and focused on the key topics proven essential in today's and tomorrow's schools. The latest John Cat publications include a book whose bold, transformative ideas amaze and infuriate people around the world, according to one reviewer, a title from Global Leaders in Curriculum Planning, Practice, and Retrieval, one book that says stop talking and start doing with regard to teacher well-being, and much more. These books used by educators 
of all roles across North America and worldwide amplify fresh, engaging voices with practical strategies to create transformative change. Learn more in our show notes at jethrojones.com slash podcast. Every teacher is a new teacher. That's why innovative school leaders are turning to TeachFX, whose professional learning platform doubles student engagement online or in person. Special offer, visit teachfx.com slash transformative principle. Friend Frederick Lane called Cybertraps. We are exploring the myriad risks and adverse consequences that can arise from the use and misuse of digital devices and electronic communication tools. Please subscribe to the Cybertraps podcast, and if you like it, please give us a rating. Here's an excerpt from an interview with Eric Stevens on the value of identity and being ethical in our work with underserved populations. If I approach my research with the intention of helping a group of people, but I'm using the data that they themselves have created and have been replicated by their their own personal identity, replicated over and over and over and over, my research is already flawed ethically. Some people, that's not a big thing. For me, it was problematic because I didn't want to feel like I was exploiting people, but I still wanted to help. What I ended up creating was I wanted to understand the prison system at the language level across time um, and across space in the United States. Um, Basically, I wanted to understand if we send a person to prison, we're sending them to a correctional facility um, with correctional officers. And we give them handbooks to say, hey, this is what you should be doing. What I wanted to answer was at the language level with the technical documents that we hand to um, an inmate, what are we correcting them to? To what standard are we asking them to be at the language level? Check out more from this interview at cybertraps.com slash seven. Anytime we say this is how it's going to be for everybody, we are eliminating support for a huge number of people. We're trying to shoot for the average and nobody's average. Everybody is unique. And so that never works out how it should be. And giving people autonomy, it's just good practice, period. But especially now in whatever way you can, finding ways to give autonomy is going to be helpful. Yeah, I... I completely agree with that. And to be able to, to manage your classroom right now in this moment in time, this is a time for innovation, right? Because it's like everything that we've been doing, everything that's been changing with our newer classrooms and the new models and where classes, I don't recognize classrooms when I walk in the, into them today, meaning in 2019, right? We used to be deaths in a row and that's it and being talked at. And classrooms have been morphing from that and they've been becoming so much more and so innovative. And now COVID hits and we're right back to that when we are in the classroom, right? It does in a row because they have to be four to six feet apart and they're all this up. But to not provide any autonomy to your teachers means that you are shutting down all of this innovation that could come out of this that could really propel us forward beyond COVID, beyond 2020 in finding new innovative ways to teach The other piece of this, by the way, is not just the decision authority and the autonomy, but support is so crucial as well 
to prevent burnout. And principals really need to be giving support to their employees. Support is interesting, though, because it comes in many different varieties. There's instrumental support, there's emotional support, but it also, it can come in many different forms. And if it comes in the wrong form, it can really blow back on you. I had a recent conversation with a colleague about gift giving and how gift giving often can blow up in your face because it's a generic gift. And it's like, we really appreciate you but the teacher doesn't feel appreciated, that's not going to help. That's going to hurt the situation more than anything. It's going to be like, really? I'm stressed out and you think I need a new stress ball? Like, how about you do your part, come into my classroom, help me out here. But that's what you find. There's principals everywhere sending their teachers stress balls because they're trying to show their support. They're trying to help, but it's backfiring on them. Yeah, that's just one great example of how that gift giving can backfire on you. And really, it's it's about the intentionality of the gift that if you, you know, if, if a stress ball is a gag gift because we're so stressed we can barely breathe, then that right. could be accepted in a different way. But if it's like, hey, you look really stressed and so I got you this stress ball, it's like, wait a minute a stress ball is not going to help me when I'm working 15 hours a day. So I need something else. And one principal I talked to last week, she said that what she's doing is she's, when she sees a teacher starting to exhibit signs of burnout, then she volunteers and says, I'm going to teach a lesson for you. When do you want me to do it? So that instead of it being like a, you look stressed, what can I do to help? Which I think is a horrible question to ask anytime. What can I do to help is you know, it puts all the onus on the other person and they have to come up with something and tell you what to do. And what she's doing is saying, it's not about me. It's about you. Here's what I think you need. When is a good time for me to do this? What do you want to give to me so that I can just take it off your plate? And if that teacher can find a time where, you know, creating more lesson plans, isn't going to be more work, you know, that could also be the problem. Let me take over your math lesson and make sure you give me detailed lesson plans so I can actually do it. (laughs) That's not going to help either. So finding out the right kind of support is very good. Will you talk just a little bit about instrumental support and mental support and, and the difference between the kinds of support? Sure. So I often talk about my first year of marriage where my wife came home and she was super stressed out and starts talking about her work and talking about the kids and all those things. And, and I'm listening to her talk about all these things and I'm saying, okay, what can I do here? Here's what I'm going to try to do, or here's what you should do. Right. And that's very much instrumental support, jumping in to help. And my wife said, what are you doing? Stop talking. I'm talking. I'm like, what do you mean you're talking? I'm trying to help. And she said, you're not helping. I said, how is this not helping? She said, I just want you to listen. I want you to, to be there for me, to show me some emotional support. So fast forward a couple of weeks, she comes home after another stressful day. And she's talking about how all this stuff with the kids is really stressing her out on top of the school stuff. And I said, I hear you. Yeah, that is so tough. Tell me more about it. I'm, I'm so sorry that you're going through this. And she said, what are you doing? And I said, what do you mean, what am I doing? She said, I'm telling you about this so you could do something about our darn kids. <laughs> and I said, what, what? I thought you just want me to listen. So 
I think both sides of that, the emotional support in terms of being there as a sounding board, being able to respect the space of people and know that they need some outlet and let your let your teachers uh, complain to you, right? Let them voice their concerns and talk about life with you. And at the same time, that instrumental support, which is so genius, what you were saying with the principal who's going in and taking care of the lesson plan or teaching a lesson provided, and all of this is so situational, it depends on the uh, relationship. So some teachers might, like, they might see their principal as like this threat, like there's the manager, right? The principal, I don't want the principal in my classroom. They're going to see all the behavior issues and all this stuff and see this mess. But if it works with the relationship with the teacher, now that's instrumental support to be able to jump in there and really help out. So a couple things on that. Have you seen the video called It's Not About the Nail? Yes. Love it. Yeah. Love it. One of my favorites. So good. There's a link to that in the show notes if you're listening and haven't seen that. Beautiful illustration of exactly what you're talking about. And it's so good. The second thing is... What I did as a principal to to help with that is I created these communication cards, which basically have those sentence frames like I need to vent or I need help solving a problem or I have a storyline or there's something, a crisis in my personal life going on. Ways to help teachers go to their principal and say, these are the problems that I'm having and here's how I want you to respond. So basically, when you get the I need to vent card, it's a emotional support and it tells the principal this is how you need to act. So there's a link to those on the uh, show notes as well, because anything you can do to help yourself in that situation is definitely really powerful. So those two resources I think would be good. And then uh, anything else that you want to add about preventing burnout and how to support teachers so they're not feeling burned out when they already are? Yeah, I think it's really opening lines of communication. You cannot over-communicate in a time like this. You really need to understand the full human. We like to think of ourselves as our work self and our home self. And if it existed before, it doesn't exist now because we've got a million things going on in our lives that are intercrossed and interconnected. And we can't separate from that any more than my crew member could separate her boyfriend being shot, you know, or your students can separate from the trauma in their homes. Your teachers can't separate from that either. So you don't want to pry and you don't want to be inappropriate in terms of where you take that direction. And some people are more private than others, but you want to listen, you know, being able to initiate and then just backing up and listening is so important. And by the way, if your teachers are online, it's so much more important and difficult because we take for granted the fact that outside of that virtual setting, um, when we are in the classroom, it's so easy. You're walking down the hall, you bump into the teacher and you say, how's your mom? I know she wasn't feeling well, right? Now you need to do that purposefully because we're so worried about encroaching on people's time, which we have to be now too and create boundaries and things like that. And that's why this gets complicated. However, You need to make time, put some time in your schedule to call your teachers and check in and just see how they are. Ask a leading question and back up and listen. Yeah, that is really good advice. And just last week, I put out this thing at jetstarjones.com slash watercooler with the idea of bringing back the watercooler experiences that you were just talking about and ways that principals can put that out there so that they have support and plans and strategies for doing that. And that's a really important thing. And if you don't do those things, it's so easy to get lost in all the other stuff that we need to do, but we really have to be intentional about taking that time 
to go and see how people are doing and calling people on the phone is the number one thing, you know, Mm -hmm. just pick up the phone and call people because if you have to like schedule a zoom meeting, you know, you've, you're looking at each other, you can see the background. Maybe people aren't comfortable with that, but picking up the phone, we can handle that. And if the person doesn't want to talk to you, they can not answer, but then you can leave a really nice message designed to help them build up their day. Those are great ideas. The final question, David, is what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative principal and help prevent burnout? One thing, it's so difficult to think of one, but I would say in line of what we've been talking about, show some vulnerability. We know that in times of crisis, people look for strong leadership. They look for somebody who's going to have direction and be confident. However, they also need to know that it's okay to not have all the answers. You don't have to look further than your more tenured teachers, the people who have been there for 10, 20 years, who believe that they need to be the experts, that they need to be the tenured teachers, they need to have all the answers and suddenly are feeling so vulnerable. And seeing that vulnerability in their principle is so valuable for them as modeling that it is okay to not have all the answers in this time. That is is okay to be human and authentic in this time, that this is new for everyone. So what a principal could do this week is to communicate that with their staff, to communicate that with their teachers and let them know like, hey, I know this is tough. What do you think about X, Y, and Z? Because I'm really struggling in figuring out where we go from here or how we handle this. What are your ideas? I know this is new for everybody and we're all kind of struggling to figure it out. Yeah, very, very good. Thank you so much, David. Links to David's website, which is illuminatepmc.com and stuff that we talked about, the communication cards, the water cooler stuff, um, the it's not about the nail video. Those are all at justrojones.com slash podcast slash episode 384. So once again, David, thank you for being part of Transformative Principle today. Thank you. John Cat Educational. If you are a leader looking to make transformative change by providing yourself and your leaders and teachers with professional development that is research-based and rigorous, yet easy to digest and full of practical strategies, check out the latest publications from John Cat. Visit us.johncatbookshop.com to find information on bulk orders or learn much more in our show notes. You can also use the code transformative to save a bundle at us.johncatbookshop.com. Using TeachFX's virtual PD and job-embedded feedback to boost student engagement during COVID. With TeachFX, teachers get eight times more feedback and generate 144% more student engagement on average in a school year with no additional work for school leaders or teachers. To learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer, visit teachfx.com slash transformative principle. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com B-E 
to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE.